Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. Does it ever seem like the older you get, the less faith you have? We start our walk with the Lord with such a childlike excitement, but it sadly can change over time. In this week's message, Francis challenges us to believe in a God that, even today, reveals himself to his creation. We pray that this message stirs your faith and builds an expectation of the supernatural. Okay, so last week, Kevin Kim uh, talked about faith, about increasing our faith, and as a church, how we want to be growing in this area of true belief. And I, I feel like sometimes we grow in different areas of our Christian walk, but faith, it almost seems to go backwards sometimes. Like we have so much faith as children, and then we can kind of wean in our faith. And so, it's, and yet when Christ says he's going to return, he wants to know, will I find faith? So this is huge. Well, something happened this weekend, and I'm going to show you a video. Um, and as elders, we talked about this because... I thought, okay, this is different. Are we sure we're okay doing this? And all the elders felt like, no, this is something we ought to do. Um, and so we're going to show you this video. It's only like a minute long. Um, yeah, I don't need to preface it. Let's see if we can get it working. It was, I saw, I looked outside, but then I saw white and gold, um, and, and it was talking to me, and it said, I I the Holy Spirit and and want to be white. I the one who could wait you. Where did you see this? All the bad stuff will go away. But my angels will protect you. It was Jesus. The real Jesus. This when did you see this? Last night. Where? In your dream? No, outside for you. Wait. In your dream, or how did you see this? Outside, it was very weird. Was it in your dream? No. It was true. It was the Holy Spirit. Well, what were you doing? I I was scared the whole night, but but all of a sudden I saw the white and gold outside. It was Jesus. But, but then then I then it said, but there'll be white. Nothing could be, but the true God. Am I the Holy Spirit? It, it was wow, that's Jesus. amazing. There was the real Holy Spirit right in front You saw white and, and gold? Yeah, and I was so surprised. And then it dust appeared. Was it outdoors? Wow. I want... Um, I want you to just think, what, what's your first response when you see that? Like the first thing that comes to your mind. Because I think there's different responses in this room. I think there's some that you see that and you just, the thought is, okay, kids, they have an imagination and maybe she got mixed up with her dream. Um, or maybe she heard something and she's just making it up. And then there's others that your first thought is, 
wow, I think that's real. I think she really saw something. And that very well could have been the Holy Spirit. But I want you to just, just wrestle with it. Think like, what? Where does your mind naturally go when you see something like that and you hear a child say something like that? And, and the reason why I believe this is important, the Bible talks about how precious the children are to God. And one of the most terrifying passages is if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, it's better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and then just jump into the ocean with it. Those are the words of Christ. And so, you, you know, there's this, this part of me, I, I'll tell you, years ago, I would have been a one of those that just said, okay, come on, let's get back to the Bible. We're, we're a Bible-teaching church. None of these little kid videos, none of these experiences, none of this stuff that you can't prove. Let's just, let's just be a biblical church. But I want us to think, because I, I know I've struggled with doubt in the past, What type of response do you think God, based on everything you know of him in Scripture, how would God want us to respond to a video like that? To children like that? I, I, I love, you know, the little girl's name is Elisa, and it's her older sister, Sammy, um, in the background that uh, is going, oh, it's the Holy Spirit, you know, like, it's the real Jesus, it's, you know, and the more I watched it, the more I just kept praying, God, make me like Sammy. God, why is there, like, so much wrestle in my mind? Make me like Sammy. I, I do believe, I mean, you know, I, I go, gosh, Lord, it, it's... There's nothing unbiblical in what she said. You know, and I think it's important that we discern and, and we have a discernment biblically and go, okay, is, is she saying that God said something that goes against what Scripture teaches? You go, no. She, I mean, I didn't understand everything she said, but, you know, basically she saw, she didn't even know how to describe. She goes, just gold and white. I saw gold and white. And it was outside of my window, and he said these things to me, you know, and then he disappeared, you know, and I was so surprised, you know, and, but there was, you know, as she talked about him just saying, I'm the true God, and, and I'm the Holy Spirit, and, and I say, let there be light, and, and, you know, and she says she was just up afraid all night, and then that happened, and he said to her, don't be afraid. So, is there anything unbiblical about that? And I, one of the reasons why we felt like we should just show it is something in our minds can look at the children and their experiences, and it's very easy to dismiss that and say, no, kid, go back, you know. Um, but as we we're talking about it in Scripture, we're going, wait a second, that happened to Samuel. Remember 1 Samuel 3, when uh, 
Samuel wakes up because, you know, he hears someone calling him. And so he runs over to, 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 the, to the priest and it's like, hey, did you call me? He goes, no. Go back to bed. And then he hears the voice again. So he goes running like, hey, hey, did you call me? He goes, and then he realizes, wait a second. Maybe God is speaking to you. When you go back, if you hear that voice, it's he didn't say, hey, just, just, it's just your imagination. It's just this or that. And then you have stories like uh, when Elisha is with his servant and they're afraid because his army's coming towards them. And Elisha prays, says, God, would you open his eyes? And suddenly his servant sees like, whoa, this mountainside is full of angels and these chariots of fire. Like, you know, suddenly he realized, I don't have to fear anything because his eyes were open to this invisible realm. That's real. Everything we say we believe in is that this wrestle that we have is not flesh and blood. But there's these rulers, these authorities, these, these cosmic powers over this present darkness. Things I don't understand. Things that are over my head. Beings that exist. And, and, and you see in Scripture, there are so many times where, well, even like in Hebrews, Hebrews uh, 13, where he says that some have entertained angels unaware. That's why I said you should be hospitable to whoever you meet because some people have actually entertained angels and they didn't even know it. So this is scripture. And I think the reason why I've wrestled with some of these things was that term Bible church or biblical church is a term that's been hijacked by people who don't believe in supernatural events. You know, it's like, no, just study the Bible. But what if the Bible actually causes us to believe in these things? You know? And, and so then who is the true biblical church? Is it the one that just keeps sitting and reading this book and, and that's all you do? Or was this book supposed to lead you towards something? And to see this as less of a history book and more as a treasure map. Where you read about something and then you actually go after it. I mean, how boring would it be if Dora just sat in the room with the map all day, right? It's like, I know, you're the map, you're the map. You know, it's just, and it, it's just, it's the whole idea of she reads something. I mean, this is silly, but you know, it's the idea is, okay, I'm going to look for that river, that tree, and then the big red hill, and I'm going to go after this. I mean, isn't that the intention of this scripture? is that it leads us to this experience of God, this tasting of him. And I was looking at, um, you know, in our Bible reading this week, there's that passage in 1 Kings um, chapter 8 where they had just finished building the temple and... Uh, In 1 Kings 8, verse 10, 
It says, and when the priest came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Okay, do we believe that happened? That at the completion of the temple, the glory of the Lord actually filled the temple. So much so that the priests couldn't even enter. It's terrifying. You can read about it more in, uh, I think it's 2 Chronicles 7. Um, where You know, in fact, let me turn there. Um, no, you just read it on your own time. Okay, but it's this whole idea of they put these sacrifices in the temple and fire comes down from heaven, consumes these sacrifices. The glory of the Lord fills the temple. There are so many different times in the scriptures where God shows up. But if some of you were raised the same way I was, there's like this disconnect where I doubt he still does that. In fact, I was told he doesn't. And yet the more I read the scriptures, the more I'm going, God has always wanted to be with his people. He was walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. The idea was that we would fellowship with him. And it's not just us reaching up to this God that we don't see, but in Scripture it talks about how he comes and he visits in different ways. And there's some passages I... Well, let me just say this. When it says that his glory filled the temple... We need to understand how intense that is. Could you imagine if God's glory filled this sanctuary right now? What we would feel like the weightiness of, I mean, none of us would leave. Where, where would you go? What do, you, what do you have to do if you're a created being and the creator shows up and his glory is there? Like, how could you ever leave that place? And it was a unique thing. They built the temple. And the temple at that time was housing the Ark of the Covenant the Ark of the Covenant signified the presence of God in that holy place. And there have been times where I go, gosh, I want to build a temple, you know? Uh, I, even lately, I was thinking, gosh, I loved the reverence they had when they went to the temple and how they had those, uh, those steps 
that lead up to the temple and and they would read the psalms of ascents and with each step you know each of the larger steps they would read a psalm and then they get to the next one and then the next one the next one why because they wanted to be careful as they came into the presence of God they were preparing themselves to come into the presence of God and I go gosh I want something like that like I we 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 want this reverence back and that's why some of what we're doing here is like let's remember how to worship this being. Let's worship him with reverence and awe because he's a consuming fire. But at the same time, he wants to be with us. But part of our conviction as elders in understanding the New Testament is he hasn't called us to build another brick and mortar or gold or whatever or stone iron temple. He says in the New Testament, you now are that temple. Okay? So in the Old Testament, he was commanded, the people were commanded to build this temple. And Solomon built that temple. David started to do it, and and God says, no, it's not you. You've shed too much blood. It's going to be your son. And so Solomon builds his temple. It's like a resting place for God right there in Jerusalem. You can still see the ruins of it today. So amazing, amazing thought. But as some of you may not know, you know, Jesus, you know, we estimate crucified around A.D. 33. I mean, you may not even know. I mean, we, we, our whole dating system begins with Jesus Christ at zero, you know, and everything B.C. is before him. And then A.D. is the Anno Dominio, the, the year of the Lord. And so if Christ lived to be about 33 when he was crucified, that's when the Romans came out and they started taking over Jerusalem. By A.D. 70, that temple is destroyed. So that temple of the Old Testament was no longer there by A.D. 70. And shortly after, there was no such city as Jerusalem. There was no longer Jerusalem. They changed the name. They said there's no longer Israel. We're going to call it Palestine. And it disappeared for 1,900 years until 1967. So it's pretty crazy that we're alive during this time. So before, there was only those 37 years from A.D. 33 to A.D. 70 where the church and Israel were on the earth at the same time. But A.D. 70, the temple is done. There's no temple in Jerusalem. And there hasn't been for 1,900 years. But 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 says... You have it up there. I can't read my Bible. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So know that those words, you know, when you see you there, like do you not know? That's the plural form of you. So we don't say it out here, but it's y'all, okay? Um, or all y'all. So 
Do all y'all not know that all y'all are God's temple singular? Okay, so, so there's this, in Scripture, it's saying that all of us together form one temple. Which this passage, you know, this is why we need to be so honoring to one another. And that's why division in the church is so ugly. And so when you try to divide a church, you're going, wait a second, that's God's temple. And what he says is, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. I mean, could you imagine when, when, when the glory of God fell upon the temple in the Old Testament, if someone took a sledgehammer to the temple at that moment, no one would even consider this. And yet what God says now is that you together are to form that temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. And that's why our focus has been the unity of the church, our love for one another, because we are that temple. And it doesn't mean it's wrong to build a, a building for the Lord. And, and, you know, maybe one day we do it. It's just one of those things where we can't get distracted. We, we don't know. Like, like coming together and worshiping, I feel like it's been good. It was something we felt like the Lord wanted us to do, gather the church together. So we're doing it. Okay? But a little bit, it's a guess. We go, well, I think it'd be good to bring people together. What we know is commanded is that we're supposed to love one another just as Christ loved the church. And so that's why we don't do this on Sunday mornings, because we're emphasizing, look, we know God's commanded us to love each other deeply. And that's very hard to do when you're listening to me talk to you. And so we need to get the body of Christ obeying the things we are certain that God has commanded. And then these other things are fine. Gather on Friday night to worship and seek the presence of God, I think is fine. I think it's been a good thing, and we keep going for that as long as the Lord calls us to do that, but not to the ne neglect the neglect of the things we are absolutely sure he's commanded to us to do, and we pursue that. And so we've, we've said all along, if this ever replaces our time of doing the one another's where everyone's using their gift to build up the body, then we kill this um, because we know those things are certain and we'll just figure out another way to teach authoritatively the word of God to people. But we must be in deep relationship. So remember, Solomon builds a temple. He prays this prayer. The glory of God falls on the temple. Fire comes into the temple and consumes the sacrifice. Terrifying, amazing. I mean, when I think of Old Testament events that I wish I could have seen, that's up there. You know, who wouldn't want to be outside of the temple just watching that? But then, New Testament, the temple's about to be destroyed, but God says, you're the temple now. And something amazing happens in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. 
When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So now this is after Jesus died, after he, he rose and ascended into heaven. He tells the believers, a group probably about this size, he says, look, you guys just stay in this room until you receive this gift that I've promised you. And so who are they now? They're the temple. They don't even realize it yet. But they're the temple, and what happens to that temple? Fire comes down and lands on people now. And then this power, these miracles, now I want you to look at John chapter 15, starting in verse 9. This is what Jesus said before he died. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So you have in this passage in John 15 some really powerful statements. Um, this is one of my favorite portions of Scripture, uh, John 14 to 17, because it's Jesus in that upper room with his disciples before he's about to be crucified. And he just has this talk with them. And he tells them all of these amazing things. Like he says, look, just as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Remain in my love. And he says, you want to stay? You want to stay abiding in the love of Christ? He's saying, look, as much as the Father loves me, that's how much I love you. And I want us to stay in this love, stay in this, in this bond. And, and he says, you, you want to know how to stay in this bond? He goes, obey my commands. If you obey my commands. And then he says, this is my commandment. That you love one another just as I've loved you. So it wasn't just, you know, I gave you a thousand commandments and you just got to obey them all. He was, he was really focused on this one. He goes, this is my commandment. This is the new commandment I give you. Now, the Old Testament command was love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So what's so new about this? Jesus is saying, this is my new commandment. Now that you've seen the way I love you, I gave my life for you. I want you to love one another that way. That we are to love one another with the love of Christ. And God says, then I'll abide with you. And then here's a just, ah, I love this. John 14, 21 to 23. 
Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Let's just stare at that. Again, this is, this is our treasure map. This is, this is why we so emphasize the church. We've got we've to grow in our love for one another. We've got to grow in our unity. We've got we've to, man, it's like, what do you need? I want to I be a brother to you. You know, Jason, JG, I want to... Family, like one, like what do you need? What do you need? Because I want to be one. It's not just, it's just not because, oh, that'd be nice and we're in such an isolated world and let's, you know, act like a family. There's something about this. It's, 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 it's the map. It's, it's telling us. It's this treasure we can have where if we obey his commandments and I, I love you the way that, that Christ loved me and if I can get to that point, if we can get to that point of oneness where Man, this is the way we think about one another. This is the way we live. He says, you obey that. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. I will love him and manifest. Like he's going to somehow reveal himself to us. That's why in the very next verse, you know, Judas is, or uh, uh, who was it that asked him? Um, in, the, in the next verse, is it Thomas? Who was it? I can't hear you guys. Oh, is it on there? Oh, yeah, Judas. It was Judas. Okay, but not the bad Judas. Good Judas. Said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? He's saying, God, I don't get it. You're saying that if we obey you, we become one. You're going to show up to us. He goes, but then everyone will see you. How are you going to manifest? So, so, so there's something real here. Okay? Judas is understanding what Jesus is saying. Is What are you saying? You're going to show up? What, are you going to be white and gold outside my window? You know, like what, what, what is this manifestation? What's it going to be? You know, he says, how are you going to do this? And then the next verse, um, Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. There's some way. This is so fascinating, you guys. This is why, as a church, we're just seeking this love. It can't just be, hey, let's show up to a room and all seek the presence of God. I want to do that. I love doing this. 
But if this is all we do, and we are not growing in our oneness with one another and actually obeying the things we know to be true, is he going to manifest himself to us? I believe, uh, man, I really believe your little girl saw something that was of the Lord. Can I be sure? No, but that's what I believe. And, and I don't know a more likely, if God was going to pick someone to manifest to, I mean, your kids, you know, like, I want to be more like Sammy. I prayed that I had tears in my eyes, praying to God, going, God, make me like Sammy. Why is there all this doubt? You've promised in your word that if we love one another, we obey our, your commands and try to love each other the way that Christ loved us. He says, I'll abide with you. My father and I will live with you. And I'll show up in some way. I'll manifest to you. I'll reveal myself to you. Now, he doesn't define that exactly. I'm just hungry for it. And that's a big part of what we want to go after tonight is this faith that says, God, all through history, this is what we've been studying in this book, you keep coming down and encountering people. And then in the New Testament, you make it sound like it's available to all of us who are in Christ. And that this glory should far exceed what we see in the Old Testament. And I want us to be an absolute Bible-believing church. But I believe what that means is that we study this book and we believe it, believe it so much that we in faith pursue the things that God calls us to pursue in this book. And we go after these treasures. And what could be better than God himself manifesting to us tonight? And I've been praying for this. That as we worship right now, we seek the Lord. That we believe like children, that the example of Elisa and Sammy, that's the example to us. To have that faith, to have that desire, to have that childlikeness, but to trust in the word of God and saying, God, we want you to manifest yourself to us. There's nothing we want more than that. Whether there's, whether he shows up in a way you can see him, touch him, experience him, 
or if the Spirit does something in you inwardly, maybe brings a conviction or gives you a gift or a word of knowledge. This is our only hope, is that the Spirit reveals God to us and that Jesus manifests in some way tonight. Holy Father, as we pray to you, as we sing to you, we believe that you hear us from heaven. We believe we can come before your throne of grace and that we'll receive mercy and find grace in our time of need because your word says so. And so we're boldly coming before your throne with confidence, knowing that it's a throne of grace. You see our weaknesses. You see our doubt. You see how much we've been influenced by this secular, humanistic mindset out here. And we've, we've lost touch with that which is invisible and real and eternal. You tell us to stare at the unseen things. You tell us that our battle is not flesh and blood. And so God, restore that faith in us everything that Satan has robbed from us. From bad teaching, bad theology. God, we believe you love us and that we're created to commune with you. Your word says that we can be one with you that we as human beings were made in such a way that we could be one with you and you could manifest yourself to us. And so God, as we worship you, would you please reveal yourself to each one of us as we each have different needs. We come before your throne of grace in this time of need and say we want more of you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. Join us next time for a new episode, but until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org.